Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 1st, and this is Ricky Jones and Jonathan Dorst for the From Sunday to Monday podcast that we're recording on Tuesday because yesterday was Leap Day and we didn't know if it would count. And so, right. how you doing, Jonathan? They kind of got away from us yesterday. I'm doing great. Back from Cuba, which was a really great experience. Um, we got to really see Havana and um, train church leaders, and it was a, just a really interesting trip. I went with three other pastors and got to know them, so I'm really glad I went, but always good to be home as well. If you had to summarize the, uh, the state of the, uh, the church in Cuba in one sentence, what would it be? Hmm, kind of subtle persecution, but hopeful. Oh, interesting, interesting. So it's if not you had to summarize, they're not killing Christians. If you had to summarize the state of the church in America in one sentence, what would it be? Ooh. I would say confused but hopeful. Confused, confused but constantly hopeful. changing. Yeah, yeah. Today is uh, Super Tuesday, primary day. Have you voted yet? Not yet. Are you going to vote? I plan to. I know where to go. Are you a reg- Are you registered with a party? You don't have to tell me which party, but I don't. Know that I am anymore. You know, you you have to be a registered Republican in Oklahoma to vote in Republican primaries. Oh. If you're independent, you can vote in the Democratic primaries, but not in the Republican primary. So, I better find out. Just so you know, oh, they'll let you know when you no, walk I in. Will they will out. let you know. Good. All right. Well, we had a marriage conference here at the church um, two weekends ago, and so we're going to start out with with questions about marriage, but we also have some good ones just about uh, just questions in general. Uh, one of our questions was from our one fan, Jonathan. Our our yes, fan wrote in. Fan. Our fan wrote in and said he hadn't had a podcast in a while, and so he was anxious. We did not do one last week. I we I was out of town. Jonathan was still recovering from Cuba, and uh, and honestly, I think I'm the only one who knows how to use this piece of software. That's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> All right, let's jump in. Questions about marriage. What do you got for me? Yeah. Us. What do you got for us? So the marriage conference was great. It uh, We started on Friday night talking about the Trinity and how the Trinity is a model for marriage, how the Trinity is three persons who are equal in glory and power, but also who perform different roles. And so there's that's a model for marriage. And then Saturday was a lot of very practical things about defining roles and setting schedules, learning to fight fairly and uh, fall forward together. And uh, I don't know, I want to start with a question we got at the end of the conference, which was just great. Uh, somebody asked, they basically said, you know, this, you guys are great and we've had a lot of, been given a lot of good information, but we're a train wreck. <laughs> and uh, I, honestly, we, I don't know where to start. So what would you say to that person? Well, I would say, man, I, that, that question made me so excited uh, when I heard it. Um, I think I would just want to go to them and say, you're doing great if you honestly believe you're a train wreck. Um, and the reason for that is this. Um, you can't fix another person and you can't fix a marriage. What you can fix is yourself. Uh, you can well, you can work on yourself through the gospel and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, if you honestly believe that you are the biggest problem in your marriage, then there is just tremendous, tremendous hope for your marriage. If you're past the point of believing that all you need is advice and all you need is a little tweaking and 
and you know maybe some skills on this or that. And if you honestly believe that you need to be to be reconstructed, and you're ready to take uh, wisdom, you're ready to take criticism, and you're ready to do whatever it takes to to have a good marriage. Then I think you're in a great place. I mean, you're just, you're just way ahead of the people who. Um, who still believe that the problem in their marriage is the other person. And, you know, that's, that's everybody. I think, you know, John, uh, Tim Keller says it well. He says when you're, when you're newlyweds, you, you come home from work one day, and on the drive home you realize you've got a problem, and the problem is your spouse is selfish. And all you, if you could just help your spouse realize that their selfishness was really hurting the pro- marriage, you really could help it. You know, you could begin to make progress. And and so you come up with this kind of creative way to let your spouse know that, you know, the problem, the reason why y'all fight is, is their selfishness. And then in the middle of this conversation, you find out that this bozo that you've married thinks the problem in the marriage is that you're selfish. And, um, and you're both kind of pointing the finger at the other person. And at that point, you have a decision to make. You can either choose to see your spouse's selfishness as the biggest problem in your marriage. So you're going to constantly be manipulating them, trying to correct them, um, trying to uh, get them out of that. Or you can see your own selfishness as the biggest problem in the marriage. And you can start repenting and you can start asking good questions about yourself and start learning how to sacrificially love this other person. And, And which of those two you see as the biggest problem? will really determine whether you have a, a good marriage going forward or, or a broken one. So I would just say that, that that's what I would say. I would say, you know, there's a lot of things beyond that, but I would just want to encourage them right off the bat. And so I think you're on a good, you're on a good footing. So how, what would you add to that? Or I agree. I think as a pastor, I can't help but draw a comparison to, I think the best church members are those who recognize going in how needy they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst church members often are the ones who come in thinking that they've got it all together, thinking that they have so much to teach everybody, including the pastors. And, and maybe they do. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure they do have a lot to teach us. But I think there's there's certainly a parallel there. When you go into marriage, if you think you're God's gift to the other person, you're going to be humbled yeah, very yeah. quickly. I think Paul Tripp uh, really talks about that the best in his little book, uh, What Did You Expect, and his marriage conference stuff, which is all basically hammering that idea that you are the biggest problem in your marriage, and uh, until you believe that, then you don't have a lot of, uh, lot, don't have a lot of room for growth. Yeah. So, good. good. What's next? Second question, well, what are necessary ingredients to marriage? Well, I preached a sermon on that just a few weeks ago, so thanks for asking. I, I think the three things I look for in marriage, uh, encourage people to have in marriage, are, uh, are sacrifice, um, vulnerability, trust, and forgiveness. And, uh, and briefly, what I mean by those are this. Uh, sacrifice means I'm coming to this marriage to give myself to you, not to get things from you. I'm not going to try to manipulate you to make me feel good. Uh, romance in and of itself is a selfish thing. Romance is all about how you make me feel. And as that feeling begins to wane, we try to manipulate the other person to make me feel good again. 
um, that's where a lot of uh, couples dating goes awry. That's where a lot of that's uh, the funniest illustration of that to me is how often couples will come back from their first vacation together, uh, and and where they were expecting it to be another honeymoon and it wasn't, and they fight the whole time. I certainly did. My first vacation with Bianca was just a nightmare. We got sunburned and we we're mad at each other the whole time, and and. Looking back on it, it was just selfishness. You know, I was just really, I went into that vacation purely in a selfish mode. I wanted to eat what I wanted to eat. I wanted to drink what I wanted to drink. And I wanted her to make me happy. And it was no sacrifice in that at all. No intention of me giving myself for her. And so until that sacrifice is present in marriage, I just don't think you have a chance. It's just basically selfishness. Second thing is vulnerability. You have got to take off the masks and let each other see you for what you really are. Uh, and that takes years. You can't rush into that. That's going to take time, and it's going to take uh, just history with each other of knowing that when you've seen me at my worst, you have loved me anyway. And um, you've got to take off the masks of pretending. Because until you do that, the only thing a person can love is what they see. And If your wife is loving the mask they see, this mask of, of competence, this mask of just leave things to me and everything will be fine, this mask of, of confidence, um, then the more she loves that mask, the more you're going to feel scared to fail, scared to let her know the truth, and you can't actually be loved by that. All, all you feel is pressure. Uh, you don't really know love until, you, until you've let someone love the real you. Uh, third thing is trust. Um, you have to be able to, and those two things go very closely together. You can't be vulnerable to someone you don't trust. You can't trust someone who hasn't been vulnerable to you. But I have to trust you uh, to be delicate with me. If I if I reveal my, my true, delicate, little, fragile ego to you, are you going to crush it? Um, if I reveal to you my fears and, and all those things that I just don't want anybody else to know, are you going to support me and and bless me, or are you going to crush me? Um, and then the fourth, and, and, and the biggest thing, the thing that underlines all these is forgiveness. Um, again, do you believe that, if you believe that you're the, you're the problem in this marriage, and you know that I believe that I'm the problem in this marriage, then I know that you're going to forgive me, and you know that I'm going to forgive you, and we're just not going to hold things over each other. And you know, and that's, that's just part of the daily game. You know, I was telling you before we started recording, um, the biggest, I mean, all, the only piece of advice you need to know for marriage is just don't be a jerk. Don't be mean, you know. Um, but the problem is I never wake up in the morning and think, man, I just want to be a jerk today. I want to go and be rude to everybody I see. And yet, you know, today I wasn't up 20 minutes before I'd really just been mean to, to my wife and uh and so, you know, before we started this podcast, I had to text her and tell her I was sorry. She was trying to be kind to me, and I was a jerk back to her. And But I know she's going to forgive me, and because I know she's going to forgive me, I'm quick to apologize and to move on. So, Those, those are great ingredients. And, and as I was listening to you, I was just thinking how really someone who has a relationship with Jesus theoretically really should have a huge advantage in marriage because of that idea of of trust where you're you're vulnerable and and you let the other person know you 
and love you. And that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. The -hmm. gospel is I'm completely known and completely loved. And, And so theoretically, we really should give us such an advantage in marriage to, to already know I'm already loved. Yeah, yeah. I can be vulnerable and I can take criticism. Unfortunately, that's just not the gospel people have heard. That, that is true. The, and it's not the gospel we often believe. Yeah, the gospel we believe is all about performance. And mm-hmm. and I have to be you know, good enough for God. Uh, a good friend of mine told me just yesterday, I was on the phone with him. He said, you know, I, just, I don't think I've ever believed that God loves me. I know theologically that he does, but experientially, personally, I just never believed it. Unfortunately, we carry that same just misguided unbelief into our marriages. Unfortunately, that's his sentiments are not an exception. Mm-mm. They seem to be very prevalent. It's good. So we hear a lot, and it was even mentioned at the marriage conference, this idea of love languages. Mm. So, Ricky, how how important do you think our understanding or, or thinking about love languages in a marriage? This idea that we tend to give mm-hmm. uh, love certain ways and receive love <laughs> in, in certain ways and and this idea that we, we really have to know our spouses, what they prefer. What do you think about that? Well, I, I didn't give a lot of credit to that uh, for the first 10 years of my marriage. And then uh, actually 15 years, I just thought, <laughs> it's really funny. Bianca and I, we took a test. We'd been married 15 years. And we took this little quiz we found on the internet, discover, you know, discover your spouse's love languages. And the thing I put down as last, the least important to my wife was, encouraging words and the thing that she put down as first the most important thing to her was encouraging words and when I saw that I was like wow I've been blowing this for 15 years uh, I don't know what I'm doing so now I think it's really important you know the idea of, of a love language is this um, if someone tells you that they love you but they say it in Japanese and you don't speak Japanese you're probably not going to interpret it as I, I love you um, well, we all have different languages. Um, some people, encouraging words is very important to them. For other people, uh, gifts are very important because they're, they're a sign of sacrifice. You know, I grew up um, in, in a poor family, and every time I received a gift, uh, I interpreted that. I, I just knew there was a huge sacrifice in that. So I don't, I don't think that's a worldly thing. I, I, I just think that's, that's a way that I interpret love. Uh, I don't like using encouraging words. I would rather do something for someone. I'd rather give a gift or, you know, I'd rather tell my wife that I love her by cleaning the kitchen. She doesn't like it when I clean the kitchen because I don't do it right. And she would rather me let her clean the kitchen and me just tell her how awesome I think she is. And what I had to learn was it's, I got to love her the way that she wants to be loved. It's not enough for me to love her the way I want to love her. In some ways, you know, this sounds funny, but in some ways, the golden rule doesn't work in marriage. Hmm. You know, the golden rule is, you know, do unto others, you'd have them do unto you. Well, uh, if you try to apply that to marriage, you know, the, the way I want Bianca to love me is to leave me alone, uh, to give me a lot of space, and uh, and basically to have sex with me whenever I want, you know. And so if I try that with my wife, just come home, ignore her, because that's what I would want her to do with me, and then just have sex every night, uh, that didn't work. That didn't fly very far. Wow. And so, um, you know, you got to learn how 
how a person uh, wants to be loved. You can call that a love language. You can call that whatever. But I think it's important. How about you? you what do you think? Yeah, I think the basic principle of love languages is good because the New Testament says, love your wife with understanding. Mm. To, to know her, what she needs, what she fears, to try to love well in that space is so important. I think what I, what I often object to is what comes along with the love languages idea. Not always, but often it gets put in this idea of a love bank. Mm-hmm. You heard this? You, know, mm-hmm. you make deposits in a love bank and, and then you can with, make withdrawals, make withdrawals yeah. from it. And for me, I just so much object to that because it just seems like an idea of a bartering system. Mm-hmm. I'll do this for you and you, you have to love me. And, yeah. But if I haven't been doing enough for you, well, you don't really owe me love. And that just goes against, for me, I think, my understanding of the gospel and unconditional love. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly when marriage gets tough, that love bank, I, if there's yeah. nothing in there, you still, you have to draw upon Jesus yeah. to love your spouse, even if they're not doing what you want to yeah. do or loving your, using your love language. Yeah, I, you know, the, the image I, I, try, I prefer is one of a spiral. A spiral. Every marriage, every relationship is always spiraling. Um, there's a spiral that goes upward that is a spiral of sacrifice and of, of thanksgiving. Uh, I come home and I see how, how generous, how gracious my wife has been to me. That makes me want to be more generous and gracious to her. She sees how delighted I am in her, and that makes her more delighted in me. And we just kind of spiral upward like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are always spiraling, always in love with each other. The other kind of spiral is a toilet bowl. You know, it's, uh, well, if you're not going to do this for me, then I'm not going to do this for you. Oh, you're going to speak that way to me, then I'll speak that way to you. Well, you're going to, you know, look for excuses to be away from me, then I'll look for excuses to be away from you. And and so what I tell couples is they're either all, they're always either on the spiraling staircase or on the toilet bowl, and it's it, it, it's a choice really you have to make every day. Yeah. So good. All right, next question: What does it look like to fight fairly in marriage? <laughs> oh gosh, that's a whole topic, man. My my second uh, premarital counseling meeting with couples is all about fighting. I won't have the second meeting with you until you have had an argument. Until you bring me the argument, and uh, you have to kind of write about it and describe it. Yeah, it's uh, always shocking to me when I ask couples I'm doing premarital counseling with, have you had a good fight? Mm-hmm. And it's shocking to me how many of them say, oh, we never fight, we never disagree. Yeah, I'm like, well, well, you then are, you're not ready to get married. You're not um, ready. And, you know, describing fight in different ways, arguments, disagreements, whatever. The, the key, man, this is so simple to say and so hard to do. The key to a good argument in a marriage is to not win, to not try to win, to not prove that you're right. The key to an argument in a marriage is to both of you agree, we're having an argument, right? And so there is something between us. So we need to come together, be on the same side, and work on this problem that is between us. Uh, If it's money, if it's sex, if it's children, if it's parents, those are the four things you definitely will argue about. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we work together to make our marriage better and to solve this problem? But the problem is that that's hard. You know, working on money requires math and budgeting and self-control and discipline. 
And just insulting you and being mad at you is easy because you're a problem. And, you know, and so it's so hard uh, to, to work on the problem and not to insult each other. That's, that's the, the general principle. Don't win. I won every argument uh, in our marriage for the first 15 years. I won every argument. And, um, and I was a terrible, terrible husband. And, um, and then we had about three or four years of me learning just to shut up. And those were terrible years, too. Uh, don't do that. Don't, don't care about when. Just, and that's, gosh, that's so hard. Yeah, if you're keeping score, you're both losing. Yeah, if you're trying to win the argument, you're you're losing. Yeah. Try you know focus on making the marriage better, not on being right. Yeah, that's that's really good. Good words. I, I would just add to that um, one thing that when Rachel and I went through premarital counseling, our our counselor said, "Try your best not to hurt each other on purpose. Mm. You're gonna do it plenty." Unintentionally, but there's there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Your spouse knows if you were against them in mm-hmm. that moment, and they tend to remember those times. So try not to hurt them on purpose, which obviously it means, you know, no name calling. Mm-hmm. Right? We can we can confront each other about uh, wrongful actions or attitudes, but to try not to name call. And then the one other thing I like to encourage couples is is try to limit hyperbole. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. so easy especially for trying to win, to make everything uh, to the extreme. You never care about what I want. You always do this or that. And, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's not true, uh, or rarely is, is it true that it's always that way or it's never that way. Uh, so try to limit hyperbole and speak. try to speak truthfully. You, know, you, you have often done this to me. Mm. I've been hurt in the past by this, but limit that hyperbole. That's that to me is is learning to fight fairly and, and trying to get the truth out there so you can move forward. Yeah, good, good. Okay, I kind of feel like we've gone on long enough today. You want to you want to take the rest of these questions next week. Sure. And so if you have any questions about marriage that you'd like for us to jump into, we'll be glad to do that. And uh, let's 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 stretch this out to next week. I uh, feel like we're I'm kind of out. My love tank is empty, Jonathan. (laughs) Let's not try to make any withdrawals from it. There you go. There you go. Um, If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please just take one second and fill out a, uh, give a little feedback on iTunes or however you're downloading it. That really helps kind of get the word out about it. If you've not liked the podcast, you're also welcome to give feedback. Uh, We do not want just positive reviews. We're happy to have negative ones as well. Any review is helpful. And if you have any questions, please email those to uh, info at riveroakstulsa.com or you can text your questions to 539-777-2887. Thank you so much. This is Ricky Jones and Jonathan Dorst. Uh, We'll see you next week for From Sunday to Monday.